Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. The podcast that talks to content creators about their journey, about the lessons learned, about their processes and about the advice they would give to those who want to be content creators themselves. You may be experienced or you may be yet to hit publish or record, but I guarantee you there will be loads of insights and takeaways for you to think about. In today's episode, I talked to facilitator and former shy guy turned video creator, Mr. Jan Keck. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, let me know your favorite bit on social media, at 10Q Interview, everywhere you may look. And don't forget, most importantly, to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this. It would mean the world to me and Jan as well, I imagine, if you share this episode far and wide, there is probably at least one person you'll think of when listening to it who would also benefit from hearing it. Make sure to let them know. One final request from me before we get to the good stuff, if you find this podcast helpful and even maybe a little bit entertaining, feel free to return the favour and help me by leaving a review or giving a rating on your podcast provider. Anyway, enough from me. Now, on to the podcast. Jan Keck, a very, very warm welcome to 10Q Interview this morning. For anyone who's not familiar with you and your work, would you like to give a quick 15-second elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? Sure. I actually practiced this just recently at a personal branding workshop. Um, so the one thing that I've realized is that I'm a recovering shy guy. I used to be the person that sits uh-huh. in the back of the class that nobody notices that has no courage to raise his hand to participate, although I had some great ideas. Okay. And uh, it took me a long time to understand that now that I facilitate experiences, I run trainings and workshops and meetings and I help other people how to do the same. Yeah. This has become something that is actually really important to make sure that all the voices are heard and nobody feels excluded and left out. So a lot of my work right now is teaching those skills, those ideas, framework strategies to other people who uh, lead groups. Does it, does it make it easier to do that with being that quiet person? I think it's easier because I have a story behind yeah. it, why, why I do what I do. And I have firsthand experience of being that person that we want to make sure not to exclude. Yeah. Yesterday, I had a conversation with someone who talked about how often the quiet reserve people, like they just have, like they raise their hand really low or they just twitch with their <laughs> finger or they just look at you really quickly. And that's their way of raising their hand. Yeah. Um, and we just need to kind of pay attention to those. Mm. But at the same time, if you call someone out and they're not ready to speak, it can be really awkward and uncomfortable for them. So I think, yeah, just being able to put myself into that situation is definitely a good, it's, it's a superpower that I know that yeah. we discovered. It makes you wonder, doesn't it, how many great ideas have been in the past that have just not been shared or, or, or worked on because the person who had it <clears throat> wasn't quite prepared to put themselves on the line. Yeah, exactly. And I think it happens in almost every situation. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. I'm sure we'll cover that a little bit more as we go through. But obviously, 10Q interviews about content creators, primarily. And you, sir, have a YouTube channel, which... One of my previous guests recommended to me and I have subscribed and follow and it is interesting. I guess my question to you is why why YouTube and how did you get started with it? So before I started to get into facilitation and training, I actually was in the video production video production industry for 10 years or over 10 years. Oh, were you? Okay. Um, I studied audiovisual media here in Germany, and then ended up in Canada, which is where I lived for 14 years. And now I just relocated back to Germany. Okay. But in, in Canada, in the beginning, um, I was struggling a bit with just finding a job because I needed to get uh, an employer to sponsor my visa right? so I can stay there and get my residency and everything. And in the end, I just kind of gave up writing applications and said, you know what, I'm just going to use my skills and see if anybody wants to hire me directly. Yeah. And opened a video production um, company and started creating stories for nonprofits and smaller companies and just creating videos for them to put up on their website. And so when, that's when was this? my, that was uh, 2009, 2010. Okay. So was YouTube a part of that strategy or idea back then? I don't, mean, I, I don't mean necessarily yeah. for you, but I just mean as, as, a, as a channel for people. Um, 
I wouldn't say YouTube as the place to put the videos. It was more the idea of how can I put the videos on my website? Right. I think at that point, most of the people that I work with, they did have a YouTube channel, but just so they can embed the videos for free <laughs> yeah. back on their website. Yeah. I remember working with a company and we used to do exactly that. It's like, oh, let's get a YouTube channel. I was like, why, why? No one watches YouTube. Yeah, yeah, but it was putting that iframe straight onto the website was really, mm -hmm. really easy, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. exactly. And how, and how did that then turn into your own channel and, and sort of what it is today? At that point, I did not have a channel. It actually took a couple more years before I even stepped in front of the camera because I was very comfortable being behind the camera. Like, Well, this was going to be that, my follow-up question, Jan. How does someone who's literally two minutes ago told me that they were you know, the shy guy in the room mm -hmm. go from being that person to being the person who's putting themselves in front of um, you know, thousands of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people on YouTube. It was not easy. It was a big, big journey. And when I was in Canada, I actually started a video marketing agency with two, two friends. And okay. um, we at one point thought, well, if we teach other people how to do videos and if we help other people to do videos, why, why don't we have videos with us in it? And it was just this light bulb moment. I'm like, you can't really be an expert at something that you haven't done before. Yeah. So we started putting out um, more like funny scripted videos on our channel uh, in addition to the projects that we did for clients. Right. And in it, we at one point sat down and said, okay, we need to be in the videos, but we need to play a character. So one of our, <laughs> one, one of uh, the, the partners that I had, he was a great writer and he was in a sketch comedy troupe. And he started basically writing a character based on who we actually are as a person. Okay. So I was more of a, a bit of a stereotypical German uh, dressed in all of my like outdoor gear. Um, and not, your, not your lederhosen. Not actually. They also appeared at one point. <laughs> um, but it was fine with me because at that point I did not have any experience in front of the camera. And okay. being myself felt a bit more vulnerable than playing a character. Okay. So you trained yourself to do it by pretending to be someone else to begin with, and then what, it evolved into just being you? That's basically how it happened, but it wasn't a quick process. Okay. Like the, the, the first video that I appeared on camera, it's probably still somewhere on YouTube, right. um, was a tutorial that we created on how to do interactive videos on YouTube. So how okay. to use different annotations to click and navigate in the video. All of that technology doesn't work anymore today yeah. because... They've removed all of that, I don't know when, but it was this interactive adventure where I was traveling to YouTube land <laughs> with uh, cool camera effects. And then I was there and I was kind of talking to the camera and um, explaining all of that, but it was so awkward. Right. Yes, the script was written for me, it was not my real words. And it just felt weird to say it and then I was the editor as well. So I had to sit down oh, and watch oh. myself. That's almost worse, isn't it? Not repeating, <laughs> yeah, not really repeating the lines that were on the script, um, messing up, looking mm. awkward, looking nervous. Like I had to actually watch myself. And I talked to my my business partners at one point, you know what? I think we have to, we just have to like delete everything. There's no <laughs> good take in there. Uh, just scrap it and nobody will ever see it. And um, of course, their perspective was a little bit different. Yeah. And at one point, I just had to pretend like I'm editing a video for a client. Like that person on the screen was not me. It was just some other guy who has a little bit of a German accent and didn't remember his lines. And I just need to find <laughs> the best take and put the best takes together and add some upbeat music and do some little camera effects to yeah. just cover up all the times that didn't work and so make it work. So let me ask you something then, Jan. So we, we spoke a minute ago about how <clears throat> how many ideas in the world have not come to fruition because that person's scared to put their hands up. I guess the same could be said for people who want to create content, right? And in this context, YouTube. I, I very much want this podcast to be about people who can take stuff away and, and you know, actionable advice, I guess, for lack of a cheesy term. If someone's watching this and think, oh, do you know what? I, I, I cannot bring myself to put myself on camera. How can I um, emulate what Jan's done from going from that really shy guy who doesn't want to, he wants to be behind the camera to being 
person you are now and anyone who hasn't seen your stuff should check it out on YouTube because you're very accomplished, right? And anyone who doesn't know you would be quite surprised, I guess, to hear that story. So how can people go from being terrified of being on camera to getting past that? The biggest learning that I had very early on when also just working with clients who like they've had no camera experience mm. and we interviewed them uh, about their business, like something that they're actually passionate about or about their organization. It's yeah. not like we're asking them to do a PowerPoint presentation about a topic they have no idea about. So they should be okay talking about it. But as soon as the camera is there, it changes everything. Yeah. And, um, especially if you're looking into the camera, to me, this is like a dead, uh, like a, a black hole. It just sucks all the energy out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and doing that well takes like it takes a lot of energy from you mm -hmm. so when we were working with clients my i saw as my job was often make people comfortable with just the situation situation that there's a mic that is going to be attached that they're looking at a camera that there's big lights like this whole unnatural situation so they feel comfortable enough to just have a conversation with us Okay. And often that was us standing behind the camera, just smiling and nodding the whole time, making sure that they know that they're doing a good job, replacing that feedback that the camera doesn't give. Yeah. So if you're recording by yourself and you don't have someone behind the camera, then it is draining. And I think it's like the first step is being okay to acknowledge that. It's not that you're imagining this and it's much harder than you thought. Yeah. It actually is not something that we humans don't naturally do. No. I saw a tip once that said um, you should put a post-it note with a smiley on your camera to remind you to smile and to remind you that it's, like it's supposed to be fun and the rest of it. Yeah, I'm not sure if it helps you uh, remind you that it's fun, but it definitely helps keep your focus because you're looking at something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, often, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. that's the thing. You're right. It's that, it's that black hole. It takes away the... Because almost destigmatizes it, I suppose. Like by now, I think we've all talked to a camera while yeah. we're having a video call with a friend or family member right on your computer mm -hmm. on your phone and if you could tap into that energy i think you'll have a much easier time so i often tell people just imagine you're leaving a voice uh, a video voice note for someone yeah. for a friend who is not there yet and they're going to listen to it later and just reframing it that way so you're imagining the person who is receiving the message what you're sharing yeah really helps with the energy that is that you're that you're bringing to the to the camera okay okay good tips i'm going to move on to the next question um talk to me about how you come up with your video ideas the brainstorming process so my brainstorming process i probably can't even call a process because okay. i don't think there is a process right uh, it's very often that ideas just happen to show up and i feel like i don't have a shortage of ideas i probably have the the other end of the problem with too many ideas and i'm not sure where i should invest my my time and energy next okay and, let, let yeah. me interrupt you then because that's a good answer and that's not the first time i've heard this answer on this podcast and it's actually i almost suffer from that same problem on a business perspective mm -hmm. so let me rephrase the question a bit how do you choose which idea is worth uh looking at I have two answers for this because okay. I did have a, a way to figure out where I want to focus my energy, like what video idea I'm going to do next Okay. up until about two months ago. And then it shifted a bit. Okay. Um, before it was literally, I put it in my calendar once a week, I'll sit down and I record a video. And often that meant on that day, I look at what are some of the ideas that I've collected and I do have like a list where I just, when I have an idea, it goes in there so I don't lose it. Yeah. I just look at that list and think, okay, what's the one that excites me right now that I'm like, want to share something about, or what is something that is really relevant? So for a lot of my videos, if you look back the last two years, some of the most popular videos were just talking about new Zoom features coming out. Right. How do we use them to uh, improve our meetings and our workshops? So sometimes it was Monday, a new Zoom feature was announced. And I knew I had to record a video by Tuesday. It had, had to be out by Wednesday, the latest. So I would uh, is that check because, Is that day. because you were trying to piggyback on that news, news story? Exactly. 
Right, and okay. sometimes that worked really well where I would get like one video got 20,000 views in like two days. And I later made it un uh, like removed it because it was a live stream where I wanted to show some of the new features. And I did not spend the time to actually look how they work yet. I just thought, let me just do a live stream and we'll figure it out together. Yeah. I just ended be up being a lot of, for me, wasted time of the viewer because I didn't know how to make it work. Okay. So I kind of took that off and recorded a new video that then didn't get as many views um, <laughs> where I actually explained the same thing that took 20 minutes in like less than five. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's what's relevant right now and other times it's like what's exciting for me at that point. Okay. And you, you said there's a switch and then you changed your process. Um, yes, because about two months ago, I've committed to writing a weekly email Okay. Um, as in preparation to be writing a book. So I've said I'll be writing a book <clears throat> about um, not ice breakers, but ice melters. Ice melters. So how can we facilitate engagement, uh, connections, and trust within groups, but in a way that doesn't make people cringe? So, you know, I, and, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I saw a post you put on LinkedIn. I don't know if it was yesterday, the day before. And you said about uh, how bad icebreakers are and how cringe they are. And I was like, Oh, what's he talking about? And then I carried on reading the post and you highlighted every icebreaker I think that I've probably been involved in at any company I've worked at in the last 10 years. And, and I initially thought you were wrong. I was like, oh no, no I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. And then there's the more I thought about it, I actually sat there and reflected. And I was like, oh my God, he's, he's spot on with how bad some of them are in the real world yeah and it made it made me wonder why we as, as businesses think it's normal and carry on doing it it's going back to what i shared at the very beginning i think it makes some people feel excluded or put yeah. on the spot when they're not ready to to be kind of the center of attention and um often they move too fast like the intention is great and i think it's really important to focus on kind of connecting and warming up a group yeah. before you do the important work. But it's like the same list of like five, six icebreakers that yeah, everybody yeah, does. Yeah. And I feel like they're just overdone by now. So we need some some fresh ideas. Okay. So yeah, kind of with that weekly email, I now have a theme for every week in terms of my content. So this week I'm writing about this topic. Right. I know all of my posts, my content will be focused around the same thing. Now, okay. the, the difficulty I've had is um, in the last month, I focused more energy into creating like LinkedIn carousels than videos. Yeah. So I haven't gotten to the point yet where I'm like, okay, now this is the this week's theme. I'm going to create a video as well. Yeah, My week was a little bit packed, but that's kind of the goal that I'm going, that I want to get to is a little bit more strategic in I have content that okay. relates to each other on different platforms rather than just like, a random thing on YouTube and something else unrelated on, on LinkedIn and something else in my email. Like, like an ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I can link the YouTube video back in the email. I can repurpose some of the videos for like shorter clips on other social media. That's, that's kind of the vision of where I want to get to. Okay. Well, um, for, I'll link it to in the show notes below, obviously where, where, where can people find your newsletter to, they want to sign up and check it out. Uh, if you go to icemeltersbook.com, that will take you right to the sign-up page. Icemeltersbook.com. Nice. Yeah. I registered the URL before I even told people that I'm writing a book. Right. To me, that was also, and this might be really relevant to our conversation. I often take an action that makes me accountable to follow through. So... I told people, hey, I'm starting a newsletter. I'm going to write you every Monday. Yeah. And once I had like 50 or so people signed up and Monday came around, I needed to write an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'm hosting a workshop in two weeks and I don't know yet exactly what the workshop is going to include or what I'll do, but I wrote a description of what I'm expecting it'll be about. Okay. And now, I don't know, 20, 30 people are signed up and now I need to... <laughs> <laughs> I need to do it. So very often I kind of announce that I'm doing something and then use that accountability to, to follow through. 
it's funny you say that. I, 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 I'm in the very, I'm in the process of starting something next week. And along with that, I'd like to tie it into a YouTube channel. And it's kind of <clears throat> a bit of a catch 22 as in, I want to create YouTube content. So that would give me the, the, the angle to do so, but it also, the accountability thing was, uh, part and parcel of it. Actually, by the time this comes out, I may or may not start it, but I wanted to, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, 75 hard. It's like, um, I guess exercise mental reset, but I think I might, I'm going to do that. So nice. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about systems and processes. So you kind of alluded to it a minute ago about obviously you wanted to create the videos, the carousels on LinkedIn, everything else on LinkedIn, the newsletter. Now, as a, as a solo creator myself, I know how tough that is, like finding time to do everything. How do you get that all done in a way that doesn't burn you out? You, you should have heard the plan that I talked to my coach about uh, when I said I'm launching a newsletter that goes out every Monday and I'll do a LinkedIn post on Tuesday and I'll do a video on Wednesday and I'll do another post on Thursday and by Friday I'll do a carousel or like I had well, what did and, your then, coach and, then, and then the video is going to be repurposed and in the end I basically as I was explaining it got really anxious about all of the work that I just gave myself yeah. and said okay what's the What's the non-negotiable? What's the minimum thing that I can commit to and everything else is a nice to have? And for me, that at that point was writing the email every Monday. Yeah. And um, I block like two hours in my calendar every Monday morning to write that. And okay. it needs to go out on Monday. So if I take longer than those two hours and I don't have more time, I need to basically send what I have. And why, why out of curiosity, why would you not write it on Thursday before? I could, and but then I would probably take Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday <laughs> to write okay. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and spend way too much time on it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of again like the That's the restriction answer. of like I have two hours and then I need to send it out. And there was only one time so far where I started writing an email for like an hour and fifteen minutes, mm. and then realized I'm not going to finish. This is I'm I'm still in the research phase. I haven't even started putting together the 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 content yet yeah and i spent the last 45 minutes repurposing an email that i had sent out previously and just added a few more things so i have something to send out that day yeah it wasn't like a new piece of content but it was relevant to to the email list um and that's kind of what i attempted with the youtube videos too of like okay i'm just going to give myself this many hours yeah and i want to see how long does it take me to actually create something and over the years, my process has shifted so much that um, I can turn around videos much quicker. Yeah. Like I, it's I Parkinson's would... law, isn't it? I'm sure you're yeah. familiar with that. Yeah. But it also, you need to know what's a realistic number. Like I could yeah. say, I'm only going to take an hour to write, come up with the idea, write the video, shoot it, edit it, yeah. post it, put the description, share it on other social media but it's not gonna, it's gonna take more than an hour. And yeah. I spent probably weeks editing videos when I first started out. Yeah. Like I would probably take a couple of days to write it, then shoot it in like half a day or so, and then take a week to edit. And that just took, like the editing process, I've edited probably thousands of videos in my career, is something that I stopped enjoying. I really and okay try to cut out by basically spending more time in preparation. And we talked about Ecamm Live just, just before we started. I use yeah. Ecamm Live as a streaming tool where I can edit live. Yeah. I use um, my like keynote presentation app where I create some slides that kind of fly in and fly out. Yeah. I have some buttons that create some fun animations on the screen. And I try to almost deliver it like I would with a live audience. And maybe I will then go back and cut out the parts where I maybe messed up or took too long or I had to redo something that really didn't work. Yeah. Could you, could you use that same process for doing a podcast like we're doing? I mean, I'm using Zencaster at the moment. Obviously, <clears throat> it's remote and it's great, except that I then have to edit it all together afterwards. And as I mentioned beforehand, I've been looking into this edit, live editing 
with a, with a stream deck or something potentially is, yeah is that, think, is that something you could do i think any live conversation like we're doing right now there is not a lot of editing happening right um it depends on how much you want to edit out at no, the end it, of it before you yeah, post it but it's not everything really else, yeah it's not really cutting it's more who's on screen when who's talking right so you know mm -hmm. if i'm talking now it'd be my face and then when it when you reply then it's your face and it's not i mean you know compared to some of these youtube videos it's not a complicated edit but it is a time consuming edit and coming back to what you were saying previously about you know doing the titles the thumbnails doing the linkedin post the twitters like i you said that you know what was a non-negotiable and that was your email newsletter and i'm kind of caught in this spot at the moment where i imagine a lot of people are where they want to be doing everything but the time's just not there so any kind of efficiencies i can find um you know could be important and that's why i was thinking about this, this ecam live i was wondering if i could do this what i think i can do in my head i don't know if there's because i just went i went down a rabbit hole on looking at videos on stream decks and uh obs obs or sb whatever it's called um yeah. And no one really quite answered my question. It's a definite yes, and it's actually really easy. Okay. Like with Ecamm Live, they have an interview mode where you can basically create a placeholder for your guest. Right. So when they call in, they will just fill up that spot that you've created, and you can set up a like one scene is just you talking, one scene is your guest talking, and one is maybe you and your guest side by side. Yeah. And if you do have a stream deck, like those fun little devices with programmable, bu programmable oh, buttons. <laughs> okay. uh, I actually have three of them standing in front of me. Oh, I'm a little you? bit of an addict and I have a foot pedal below the below my desk as well oh, no. um, that I just got uh, a while ago, which makes these live recordings even easier because now I like with the buttons, you can basically program one button to go to you, one button for your guest and one for a side by side or anything else, one button to show uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and an animation pops up. Like you can have all of this ready. Um, and the foot paddle is actually really interesting because now I can press it with my foot and I can keep eye contact. I don't have to look down and find the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I can just continue and I can use my hands while I'm doing it. See, that that would improve my workflow no end, right? Because then it might not be perfect, but the editing of those non-perfect bits is, is fundamentally quicker than... Okay, I'm gonna look into that. Right, Ecamm Live interview mode, stream deck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I I think I've probably saved days. Yeah. Um, of every single video that I've done. But it takes a lot more time preparing. Like you need yeah. to have a good plan. Like I can't. I need to have the slides or the text ready that I want to show up on screen before yeah. I start recording versus what I usually would do, you record whatever you talk to the camera or your, your B-roll, and then at the end, you put it together. Yeah. If I do it this way, I need to have everything ready before and ideally programmed on a button so I can press it live. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it took, but it took less time for me to think about that ahead of time and probably yeah. also made the content more engaging because I knew at this <laughs> point there'll be something on the screen so I can talk about it. I yeah. can see it live as it's happening. Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's a really it's it's really interesting for me, and it's some yeah. As soon as we're finished, I'm going down another <laughs> ecam rabbit hole. Let's talk about um your goals with YouTube. What you sort of said why you wanted because obviously you know why you started, but what do you want to achieve with it? I think it's a really good question. And one that I realized I have had answers for, and there were times where I didn't have an answer for. Okay. And you even mentioned, like, there's some videos on my channel that are really popular <laughs> that seem like they have nothing to do with the rest of the content. And I, for, the, for the, anyone listening or watching, we spoke about this before we came on air. And I, and I, was, and I was chatting to Jan about how one of, one of your most successful videos is a two-minute video where you take your cat camping. And I don't think that there's, there's like two seconds of dialogue throughout the whole thing. And it just made me laugh that it's almost the ridiculousness of the way these algorithms work and stuff. Like, you know, you've got this professional channel, you're talking about 
facilitation, you're talking about Zoom and tech and all this sort of stuff. And your second most successful video was about a cat. <laughs> it's just like, it's like a, it's like an internet meme almost, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's what the internet is. Those love cat videos. Yeah. And there were times where I thought this is not really like there's videos on my channel. If you go back to like the old ones that are not relevant to what I'm doing now, mm. but in the end, the channel is my name yeah. and it's my personal brand. And I, as a person grow and evolve. And so did my channel and I didn't want to just delete it because it's not relevant. And yes, that probably will hurt a little bit of the engagement that I get. And like, if people subscribe because they saw a a cat camping video expecting there to be more <laughs> cat camping videos, then they're going to be very disappointed. Have, have you ever right? just on that? This is my entrepreneur brain kicking in. Have you, have you ever thought about just creating a dedicated camping cat or cat related YouTube video? A channel. Sorry, I, not video. I was thinking of like, and I have some channels that are very specific to like one thing. Right. But I realized with every channel, it becomes a whole big project that then you want to create content for and you need to nurture and yeah. have a goal and a purpose. And as you said, I'm like, I'm mostly working by myself. My time is very limited. Uh, I have a little son that I also want to spend time with and uh, okay. family. I cannot, I need to focus on like less, less is more like the last yeah. I want to say three years, it's all about simplifying, clarifying, uh, yeah, just how can I do less, but put more energy, more, um, impact into, into those projects. Yeah. I hear you. I've got two young kids. It changes the dynamic of how you approach things dramatically. And weirdly, I think for the better, I think that there are times I look back on my pre-kid life and I, there's a little bit of. I guess regret might be a bit too strong a word about how I didn't take advantage of the time that I had. But then conversely, now I've got kids, I look, look at life and I'm like, right, okay. It's almost a, a reminder that works, not everything. Yeah. And that, that kind of influences also the, like the reason why I am on YouTube. Right. If you ask me during the pandemic where Basically, all my content was Zoom related. Okay. And now I've built an audience of people that expect me to do a video anytime a new Zoom feature comes out. <laughs> and I stopped doing that because it also was stressing me out a little bit of having to like be the Zoom guy. Always uh, talk about this where I myself had this a bit of an identity crisis because most of my work has been around virtual facilitation. Yeah. But I love in person so much. And all I did before was actually helping people connect and have deep conversations in person without mm. technology around. Like I actually have this, I actually need to show you this um, cell phone sleeping bag that I usually have people create at my workshops that we, uh, it's like a padded envelope right. that you put your phone in so it's out of the way and not a distraction. Yeah. Um, I used to be like all tech free. So only during the pandemic, suddenly all of that 10 years, 10 plus years of video production background came back and was like, Hey, you still have the camera lying around. You have microphones, you have lights. Why don't you turn it on and like help people connect when you, <clears throat> when, when you can't turn your technology off, when you actually need yeah. to use it in an intentional way. And, um, that's why now my content has shifted a little bit more to also talking about in person. Um, and it's going to shift again. Like I know that a couple of years down the road, it'll probably be again a little bit different yeah what i'm hoping is that the people who subscribe to my channel they're more interested in also this evolution rather yeah. than just one specific thing and i could create a new channel every time i change something <laughs> yeah. but again you're starting from scratch so um so you, yeah you, you kind of segue nicely onto the next question then you, you mentioned people a bit you mentioned about in real life so the next question is about audience engagement and i guess being the facilitator you are like audience engagement is your kind of your day job almost. How how do you cross that over into into your content world, whether it's your videos or whether it's your emails or or whatever? How how does that work for you? For me, I don't really look at like I rarely look at how many views did something get. Like every once in a okay. while, I go in and kind of just see oh. 
I actually just went today before we got on this call and saw like that a video I did a month ago got over a thousand views. And to me, that's like a, almost a better performing video. It right. gets over a thousand. Uh, I did something right. There's a lot of videos that have like less than a hundred views on my channel as well, yeah. where I thought, oh, they're going to do really well, but they didn't. And um, can, can I for, just ask, can yeah. I just ask about that? I think it's an important topic, actually. And, I, and I, I do want to come back to the audience engagement thing. But I think it's important because a lot of people might not start a YouTube channel or give up, actually, is probably probably more likely because they're only getting videos that are, you know, 50, 50 views or 20 views or whatever. Or, you know, and you said in your case, a thousand is successful. But a lot of people who are new in the game or aren't, YouTubers, you say a thousand, oh, is that it? Like, you know, Mr. Beast gets hundred odd million. Like, how can we normalize the fact that a thousand is really, really good? Just imagine showing, I don't know. Uh, do, do you know what I mean? Showing this pen to a thousand people. If a thousand people saw this pen yeah. or heard me speak somewhere, that would be a really big audience. Yeah. And I always like to think of, Sure, I would like to have a million people see my stuff, but mm. are those million people also the people I want to see my stuff? Like, yeah. are those the right people? Because um, I think that's the the tricky thing with like going viral. In the end, I know the audience, the people who are interested in my content, is already a smaller group. Right. Like not everybody leads group. Not everybody runs meetings or workshops or trainings. It's already a smaller group to begin with. So. Um, I have to adjust my expectations on that. And yeah. what is even more important to me than the views is the the comments and the feedback that I get when I share those. Yeah. Like, hey, this was really helpful. Oh, th like, I want to say that um, most of the comments I get on my channel is people thanking me for creating the content. All right, cool. And I think that's that's a really great thing with the odd troll here and there, which to me is just the... Um, it's a clue that my content has gone further than the people who know me already. Yeah. So I actually took that that comment as a it's a as a huge win, um, I, rather than being upset about it. I had the same conversation with someone the other day, someone you know as well as I do. And we were talking about that. It's like it's almost a positive once you start getting, you know. And <clears throat> I'm not belittling the whole super troll side of things, but once you start getting those trolls, that's when you know you're sort of pushing in the right direction. Mm hmm. Okay. So engaging with your audience, obviously, when you get the comments, are you, are you straight on replying? Are you thanking? Yeah, I usually like at least give it like a thumbs up or a like on each comment. Yeah. Um, if it is something that is worth responding to, I will respond usually. And there's also people who ask questions um, that I always make sure to to answer. Okay. Do you ever yeah, get video this... ideas from their, from their questions? Yeah, I, I, I would say it's not that many right now that there's like a list of questions that are unanswered. Okay. Um, but it, it, it is, for me, a lot of it is about building relationships. Yeah. And if somebody comments on my video and I send them a response or they message me through my website and I send them a video reply, I actually mm -hmm. use a, a tool called Video Ask almost everywhere on my website. Mm -hmm. So I can send video responses back to people. Yeah. Um, it blows their mind. They're like, oh my God, he responded. And they w might tell other people that I did that. And hopefully they'll remember next uh, time I might offer I something. I 100% think that, yeah. And it, it, it stuns me that more brands don't do more from the audience engagement side. I think it's such a missed opportunity. Like even on, you know, even just a thumbs up on Instagram, like if you tag someone in, oh, it's like, oh great, they, they, they love my... You know, they, they actually recognize it. I think it's, yeah. We all want to be seen. We all want to be heard, acknowledged, and valued. And mm. I think it doesn't take a lot of work to do that, especially for the people who you notice showing up more often, that comment often. I mean, those are the people that you really want to build relationships with yeah. because they will help spread your message further than you can. Super fans, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. I kind of the next question. I, I I want to tie back into what you just said for the next question. And and you're saying about um, your smaller audience. We're saying that you know a thousand views is good, and and the rest of it. 
what in your mind is the best way to stand out from the crowd when when you're creating videos are you writing down an idea then i i was i was writing down another thought um <laughs> but also this question I'm trying to figure out if if I put myself into the shoes of like I was starting something new because yeah. I think for me if you look at that let's say that first video of me explaining those interactive video tutorials yeah that wasn't me yes okay. it was standing out but that person on the screen wasn't why me. why was it standing out because we like we visually did a lot of effects. It was funny. Oh, I see. So uh, like okay. it, it was not just a person talking through the screen. Like I was actually traveling through different rooms and meeting different characters. Like there was a right, big right, story right. around it, but it also was a scripted story. Okay. And I think depending on what content you create, of course, there's lots of different ones. If you are in the videos, you need to make sure that you, you show more of yourself. Okay. Like you're not pretending to be someone you're not because the, like the biggest compliment I always get is when people meet me in person for the first time, or, uh, we get on a zoom call, they're like, Oh my God, you're exactly the same person as you are in your videos. Yeah. It actually looks like, I mean, one of your videos right now, because I have like the same <laughs> setup, uh, sometimes. And I think right. that's the best compliment that you can get because nobody can be you. That's the kind of best way you can stand out from everyone else. Yeah, someone else said something similar to me. And I hadn't really thought about it, but it's true, isn't it? It's, it's in this world of everyone putting out content. You are the USP for your own channel. Yeah, and there are things that um, sometimes are worth bringing in. And for me, a lot of it is actually going back to like storytelling, although it's not scripted stories, but yeah. you telling stories, you sharing stories and examples that give people a glimpse of who you are. Um, but also yeah. making a point to what you want to make in the video, like for, for a lot of the th things that I talk about, it's about meetings and workshops. And I might retell a story of like a participant, um, I don't know, trying to take over the meeting and how I dealt with that and yeah. you know, what I learned from it. Or when the fire alarm went off in the middle of a training and I needed, needed to improvise and <laughs> send everybody to a breakout room and they yeah. did their activity while I was hoping that the firefighters don't show up and it's a false alarm. And then when yeah, they came yeah. back, we were ready to continue like that story, which by the way, happened in the middle of a breathing exercise called, um, fire breath. So it was just like a story that you can't write. It was just so funny in the moment that yeah. while we were doing fire breath all together with like, 20, and, and no one people, else, no one else has alarm. that story, right? Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah. So it's bringing out in those things that make you, uh, yeah, that make you, you. Okay. What's something you struggle with or find tough when it comes to putting out videos? Consistency, number one. <laughs> um, and I think that's the, I think we were just talking about, um, what viewers you should expect and what views you should expect. And yeah. I was told, and I was told this probably 10 years ago. Oh yeah. If you want to grow a YouTube channel, you have to create a video every week for at least one to two years before you okay. start seeing the payoff. And do, do you still agree with that? I still think that it takes consistency, but because my priorities have shifted and YouTube is not the only thing that I do. Yeah. I also need to make sure that you don't burn out because I see that a lot happen with other creators that yeah. they start re off really strong and they have a lot of ideas and they start creating videos every week. And then there's not a lot of time left because they're working until you know, late at night. And after a couple months, they're like, Oh my God, I, I missed, I, I missed one, one upload in my yeah. schedule and they beat themselves up for it. And it's a lot of pressure that you basically put on yourself. Yeah. And there's other creators. Um, I don't know if you follow Mark Rober, uh, do you, like do, NASA actually. engineer. Yeah, I do. I, I, least, I, like, I saw great... him on a podcast not long ago. Mm -hmm. He was really, really interesting. And he, I think, still creates maybe like a video a month or yeah, even less. Did. But they're like 15, 20 minute, really highly produced, thought yeah. out. Like there's stories, there's everything. 
he now has a bigger team, but that's what his strategy was from the beginning. He yeah. never really did like a weekly video. He always did like a high quality one that took longer for him to put together. Yeah. And he's, his channel still grew. So I think it's not true that if you don't upload every week, it's not going to happen. But having some kind of um, continuity to it, I think is really good. And I have never had that on my channel. No. I think the theory, yeah, I think you're right. I think... Theoretically, it'd be amazing if you could put out a weekly showstopper. You know, it'd be like get that kind of <clears throat> TV effect where everyone's waiting for the for the episode to come out. But the truth of the matter is, unless you've got that team behind you and you've got the resources, I mean, look at look at. I guess the the good example is like you look at all these TV programs that come out. Like Saturday Night Live came straight to my head for some reason. I don't know why. I never really what. Never really seen it. But they've got a team of writers. They've got a team of writers, a team of um, tech people doing the audio-visual. They've got a presenter. Like, it's weird how we as creators kind of compare ourselves to these media organizations who are putting out that amount of content, right? Yeah, and I think the it's an easy trap to fall in, mm. especially when you're starting out, to compare yourself to the people who already have made it. Yeah. Like if you if you want to compare yourself to I don't know Mr Beast or any <laughs> other big channel Mark Rober, yeah, go look at their oldest videos, like their very first video they uploaded, and compare yourself to that, yes. and you'll see they were if they haven't deleted them, mm. um, they were like awkward and the videos weren't that engaging, and they didn't look that great, like they started all somewhere. Nobody was born with like perfect presentation skills and storytelling and. A crisp the, uh, camera and everything that's the advice our mutual friend gives me pretty regularly <laughs> he loves saying that because you go check my old videos mr who's the boss and um it's funny a lot of them actually delete them once they get to a certain stage but it's, it's a good it's a good way to think about things have you ever thought about stopping packing it in um no because i don't have a schedule Okay. So even if I stopped uploading a video for a year, I would yeah. not I would not delete the channel. I would then just upload a video when it's ready. Right, okay. And um I think in the beginning I had like there was it, it was like that. It was like a video maybe twice a year. Yeah. And that's where like cat videos and other fun <laughs> videos. I think there's one that I did of like a zombie walk in Toronto where I was dressed as a zombie. Right. And my friends and like fun videos like that, fun little projects. Um, and then the more I also had a business where I knew I'm not just creating videos for the fun of it. But this is good. also a business that I'm creating. Like I am making a living from putting out content rather than just creating content for the sake of it. That was going to be my question. Do you, do you enjoy making videos? I do. Yeah. Yes. Um, especially because again, if you work for yourself, you can choose what you make content about. Yeah, That gets really exciting. One of the reasons why I am not super excited about doing like updates on each new Zoom feature, because mm -hmm. I'm not that excited about it anymore. But every once yeah. in a while, there is a feature that comes out that I'm like, oh my God, this is going to make my workshop so much better. I need to tell everyone. Yeah, And then I get excited about sharing that. And I think for a lot of the work that I've been doing, the idea of supporting others so they can create better experiences so yeah. that less people feel left out. Like it's all connected to my why and my mission. If I can do that in a video that is easier for people to absorb and explain something than if I wrote it in an email, yeah. then I'll always come back to video. It's, it's a really powerful tool that uh, I think a lot of people still underestimate. Yeah, I think you're right. It still surprises me that people do that as well. Um, on that, if you could shadow one YouTuber for the day, who would it be and why? I just thought about this uh, question today and I actually chose Ed from Creator Booth, <laughs> which is probably somebody that you know. I, um, I do because of our mutual friend. And yeah. I, 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 well, I hear your answer and say I'm a massive fan of like, content he puts out for video people is just it's incredible 
But go on, what's, what's your... And he was top of mind because he does one thing really well. He tells a visual story as much as he has great content. Yeah. Like visually, his videos are amazing and he brings in characters and stories, but it's still just a one-man show. Like I think he, I'm not even sure if he still by now has like somebody who's helping him with editing. Right. But he like writes the script, he shoots everything. He is every character uh, in the videos. And I feel like I want to know how he does all of that in such a short time. Because well, I'm, I'm did, sure. Did you see? <clears throat> did you see his email that came out yesterday? Uh, I don't think I'm on his email list. Oh, Jan, you might have just. Where's my emails? <laughs> he sent out an email last night. Let me find it. Saying exactly what you want. So now he's uh, putting out an offer to shadow him for no, a day? It's no, 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 no. <laughs> he's, oh, no, not that. He, um, he's putting out a live stream on Monday mm-hmm. where, here we go, a behind-the-scenes deep dive. Oh, now my email's frozen. How he writes films and edits a film booth video. I will forward you the email after we... Uh, yeah, I'll, after we speak. I'll I'll have a look if I can tune in. That would be great. I agree with you. I think what he his videos are incredible in the sense that, like for me, he he ticks the golden ticket of he teaches you something where you don't feel like you're being taught something. Mm-hmm. Edutainment. Edutainment. There you go. Yeah. I think that's like even looking at tools like. Um, chat gpt and like other ai tools i think yeah. it'll be easier to do those things now um also easy to create very fluffy content that doesn't have any message mm. but um i just this week used it to help me brainstorm some metaphors for something that i wanted to explain yeah and now i easily have like visual ideas how i could display or explain something even in a video yeah so um just for that brainstorming part, I feel like that's that's going to be really exciting for creators. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I I'm not an AI skeptic in any sense. I, you know, some of the stuff I've seen it do is incredible, but I think really from a brainstorming, that's where I I primarily use it. I don't use it a lot, but it's to kickstart something in my head sometimes. But um, just going back to Ed, yeah, I, I think. I'll send you that email and you can sign up to his newsletter. I think it's probably do exactly what you want it to. Um, I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to jump on to the next question. If someone came up to you and said they wanted to start their own YouTube channel, what would you tell them? Get clear on who your audience is. I now have I now have Ed's voice in my in my head. <laughs> uh, get cre- really clear on who your audience is and what challenges they might face that you can help them with. And like this is maybe th- thinking that that person is going to create some kind of educational content. Yeah. Um, because of course there's lots of other content. So um, figure out who your audience is, what they're looking for. Ideally, and this is something that I've been doing for the last few years, and I would not ever launch anything without that anymore, have conversations with them, like actually get on a call with them and have conversations. So you really uh, get to know them so well, almost better than they know themselves. So when you put out content, it resonates immediately. Um, Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Yeah. Why why is it that the audience is more important than you and like what you want to create? I think you bring up another really good point, which is uh, maybe the first step should be figuring out why you want to create videos in the first place. Right. Because um, if you're an artist and you just like to create videos for the sake of creating art, yeah, then you don't need to talk to anyone. You just yeah. create it and put it out there. But I think if you want to grow a YouTube channel that gathers subscribers and has some kind of impact on yeah. like helping people, supporting people, then you should talk to them first. Because okay. it's very easy to, in your head, go like, oh, this is what people need, so let me create it and put it out there and then get crickets. Because like It's like a business, right? Done that before, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. like even with my business, I 
I totally believe in building out loud. Like same thing that I did with my email list. I said like, hey, I am planning to send out an email. Subscribe here. I haven't yeah. even sent out the first email yet. Yeah. But once I had enough subscribers, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to start doing this. I probably would do the same thing with YouTube and say like, hey, I'm planning to start a channel. And maybe that's the first video that is on there. I'm planning to start a channel on this topic. If yeah. that's interesting, subscribe here. I don't know if there's a hundred subscribers, I'll create the first, the next video, or I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I would actually put that hundred subscribers on there, but um, the idea of telling people what you're doing before you're, what, before you're doing it, because mm. that already helps in my, like for myself, build some momentum and excitement and then holds me accountable to actually follow through. Cause it's very easy to say, Oh yeah, I'm going to start. And then you're like, oh, today I'm not feeling so good. Oh, today I don't have a good idea. Oh, today yeah. uh, I don't know where to put my camera. Like the the hardest part is actually starting. And um, yeah, just put out do the it. first video. Just do it. And then later you can always delete it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Last question for you, Jan. If we spoke again in 12 months time and you said to me, Chris, you know what? It's been a really, uh, really good year for me. What would have happened to my YouTube channel? Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I'll, I'll make it broader for like your content <laughs> creation initiatives mm -hmm. in general. I mean, your book, right? You wanted to have a book come out, you said. Mm -hmm. Even looking at my YouTube channel, because I guess that's the main thing that, that we talked about today. I'm right now just at 2,600 subscribers. Right. It grew pretty quickly at one point. Uh, because I was putting out much more regular content and it was like people following me because of the Zoom stuff and yeah. all of that. And now that I'm shifting a bit, it has slowed down slowed down dramatically. Okay. Um, but my goal was still to get to about 10,000 subscribers uh, by okay. the end of this year. Now that's another six months from, from today. Right. I'm hoping if I invest more time and energy in actually creating content that aligns more with the audience that I want to have, I can get closer to it. But right now, that would be a, like, I feel like it's not my priority in terms of the YouTube channel. Yeah. So if it happens, it would just be a nice byproduct. Okay. Um, what I would love to happen is just build a larger community of people that, um, that look for me for advice when they're wanting to lead groups and they want to make sure that they're connected and building trust. Mm -hmm. And if that is on YouTube, if that is on my email list, if that is on LinkedIn, which are kind of the three things that I'm focusing on right now the most, yeah. then that would be, if there were 10,000 people combined in right, those three, okay. that would be amazing. 10,000 people in the Yan Keck ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Okay. And doable. Like, I feel like that's real, a realistic goal to have. I think so. I don't see why not. You know, in this day and age, you know, there's there's lots of avenues to, to achieve that. Um, okay. Hopefully, Thank You can send a few more people mm -hmm. to your to your community. Where should we? Uh, I put in the show notes for people to say hello. LinkedIn is that the best place? Um, if you want to message me directly, LinkedIn is a great place. Yeah. Um, or find the contact form on my website and send me a video message. Oh, that's a challenge. Okay, I'll, I'll link to that in the, in the, in the show notes. Um, Jan, I want to thank you for your time this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And I really, all I want from these podcasts is to sort of be a bit thought provoking. And actually, I've written down notes, which I, I don't always do on podcasts. Um, I normally sort of like watch it back. But a few things you said have really kind of um, got me thinking. So I want to thank you for that because I, I know that if it's interesting for me, ultimately it'd be interesting for other people listening to it. So Jan Keck, I want to thank you for coming on and I will share your links and details for everyone to come and say hi. But from me, a very, very big thank you. Thank you, Chris. It was, was, it was a really interesting conversation for me too because I haven't talked about a lot of this YouTube stuff in a long time. Uh, Since I moved away from like the video production part of my business yeah. and become more of a content creator for a different business. Um, yeah. yeah, I haven't shared a lot of these things before. Okay. So thank you. Well, an exclusive then. Exclusive to thank <laughs> you. Jan, thank you so much for your time.
That was Tenku interview with Jan Keck. If you made it to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. He was a smashing guest, wasn't he? Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at Tenku interview everywhere you may look. That's all from me for now. Make sure you've subscribed wherever you're listening to this. And the next Tenku interview episode will be in your feed live very, very soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye.